Good morning. Boy, that's intense, isn't it? You go from the beautiful music to that video, and I'm turning around looking at your faces. Man, it is an honor and a privilege to be here with you today. I, I always uh, just cherish these moments where I'm asked to serve my community of faith. I have a deep love and respect for your pastor, my pastor, Pastor Wayne Blackburn. Don't you love and appreciate him? Would you just show, express that this morning? Great leader, great man, wonderful friend. Listen, a better friend of the university cannot be found. He is, is our partner in what God's called us to do at Southeastern University. And just a quick kind of invite to you. If you haven't been to the campus in a while, just want to throw this out there to you, a little bit of a fair warning. We have an Einstein bagel on campus now. Uh, so you might want to have work on a little self-control before you come over. There's nothing better than a toasted everything bagel with cream cheese. Can you say amen? Come on. Some of you, your mouth's watering right now, Einstein's coffee. We just opened a new food court. Uh, it's got an Einstein bagel, backyard burger, and, uh, and a Papa John's pizza. So we are now saying we're warning our students the freshman 15 is now turned into the freshman 50. Uh, be in prayer for us for self-control on the campus. Hey, listen, I, I love this series. I love this time of year when we are challenged and we are redirected back to what makes us us. A group of people who are gathered around the name of Jesus Christ, who have been forgiven of much and are quick to forgive other people. Can you say amen? amen. I mean, I'm telling you, last week, uh, Pastor Jeff on the South Side unpacked the idea of forgiveness. And I'm just sitting there in, in the theater just going, man, God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you have forgiven me of. Thank you, God, that you made a way. Lord, for this stubborn kid from South Carolina, Lord, to find grace and peace and hope in you. And so when I got the phone call and was asked a, a couple of weeks ago, hey, would you preach on uh, in this series with us? I absolutely said yes. They said, well, wait a minute. Let me tell you what. We have a topic for you. And I said, well, it doesn't matter. Go ahead and give it to me. And they said assurance. And when I began to look at this passage I began to just, man, come alive again at the reality of who Jesus is. Now, how many of you would agree with me in this statement? If you want to know who a person really is, look at them in the midst of adversity. Everybody looks good when there's no dirt on the suit, right? Everybody looks good when things are going well. But when you want to see the essence of a person, find them in the midst of a crisis moment. Find them when things aren't going well, when tempers tend to flare. How many of you, listen, my wife and I uh, went on a little just kind of a, a dreaming journey, right, uh, yesterday. We're just thinking through some of the things we want to do. And we wanted to go over to Tampa and, and look at uh, this idea of camping is really kind of appealing to us right now. And we won't ever say, hey, I want to go look at an Airstream. I want to go look at some of these things. And so, man, we're just dreaming on the way of all these sites that we want to go to. And I, I come down uh, the toll road, and I take that big banking turn onto I-4 to find a parking lot. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people that if you're in the car with me, I, I, I'm going to have to repent, right? Like the moment I saw it, I just begin to get, I'm like, what is this? These people don't know how to drive. Where are they from? Look at the license plates, honey. I guarantee you they're not from Florida, right? If you're not from Florida, I love you. Forgive me for everything I'm saying right now, right? So you see us, when, when things don't go exactly the way we plan, you kind of see the worst side of us, unless you're Jesus. 
Unless you're Jesus, and, and we find him last week and this week in the midst of, of what I think is the most beautiful, one of the most brutal ideas humanity has ever come up, the crucifixion of a human being, hanging by nails and, and prolonging the suffering of a person to the place that, that you just drain every ounce of life out of them. And it's not bad enough that he was beaten and not bad enough that he was abused and, and not bad enough that all of these, these horrific physical things were done to him. But while he's hanging there, he's being ridiculed, he's being mocked, he's being poked at, he's being, he's being just spat upon. And where we find the passage today is Jesus in between two criminals. In fact, you, you might even call the passage today a death row pardon. See, we find Jesus hanging between two condemned criminals. Scripture is very clear about it. It paints a very simple picture that these two men had been tried. And unlike Jesus, they were guilty. All right? They weren't falsely accused. They weren't railroad. Nothing in Scripture says, oh, yeah, the guys were innocent. It was all a big travesty. No, Scripture says that they were condemned criminals. And so what I want to do is I want to read this passage, Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. You're going to read them in the New Living, uh, uh, New Living Translation, and then we'll refer to NIV and a couple other versions throughout the day. But I want to read through that passage, and I just want to kind of break it down together with you. And then to kind of to land the plane for us, I think there are three things that we need to be assured of today. I, I think there are three things that you and I can walk out of this building today and be better for knowing it and even better for living it. Amen? And so let's do that. If you've got your scripture and it's up on the screen as well, let's just kind of read this, this passage and see what God has for us. It says, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has, uh, hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now let's take a note at, at, at verse 43, this piece of the, of the scripture, where Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray. Father, over the next few minutes, God, would you quicken our hearts to hear you? Lord, would you just settle our spirits within us that we could receive from your word and leave this place, Lord, with a greater, not just head knowledge of you, but Lord, a heart knowledge that says, Lord, I will go and I will follow you this day. Lord, we pray that. And everybody said, amen. You ever bought anything that wasn't what you thought it was gonna be? Any victims of fraud in here today? Come on. I mean, it, no shame in this. There's no shame in this game. Come on. I'll, I'll never forget it. I was with uh, my president and, and another friend, and we were in uh, Los Angeles, and we were going to a Clippers game, right? And uh, we had planned this event. I mean, this was, this was an, uh, I was really looking forward to this. We had good seats, and we all got in our line, and we started down. And, you know, you can't go to any event now until you've been patted down, searched, scanned, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff, right? We go through all of this long line. It's just out around the building, and we're just shuffling our feet. And we finally get to the place where they scan me, and I hand them my ticket, right? And they scan the ticket, and it doesn't make the same sound that it made for the person in front of me. <laughs> in fact, it goes, eh, eh, eh. And I was going, I, I'm 
I didn't, I, I swear I didn't do anything. It wasn't me. And he scanned it again, right? And they don't even try to, to save any respect for you, do they? When these things go on, like, uh, sir, this is a fraudulent ticket. I'm going, oh, I didn't print it myself, mister. I paid good money for it, right? And so here we find ourselves, we had purchased online tickets that were fraudulent. We had spent good money on tickets that were no good. Now, here was the good part about my story was the fact that what we did later, we, we, we walked outside and we called this place called StubHubs where we bought our tickets, and we said, hey, we purchased tickets from you, and they're fraudulent. And the guy said, meet me across the street in five minutes. I'm going, what are we doing? Is this a drug deal? What's, what's happening right now? <laughs> what's going on, right? And we go across, the, uh, go across the street, and this guy gives us not just replacement tickets, Come on, how many of you know when someone does something wrong, it's better when they upgrade you? Can you say, hey, right? I feel like that's my divine design. It's just called to be upgraded. Come on, Jesus, let's just speak that in, right? So he gives us tickets, but these aren't just any tickets. These are tickets two seats behind the, the, the L.A. Clippers, right? We're, we're two rows behind the Clippers. And I'm just going, Lord, we thank you for fraud today and how you redeem it and make it all good, right? There's nothing worse. The, the, the clinical definition of anxiety is when your reality does not match up with your expectation. Does that make sense? When reality does not match up with your expectation. Well, the reason we're talking about assurance today and we're looking at God's word is there's no fraud when it comes to Jesus. There's no bait and switch when it comes to the cross. There's no maybe, maybe not, if you act a certain way. There's no condition here when we talk about what Jesus did on the cross. He unequivocally, unashamedly gave his life that you and I might find life and have it to the full. He took our place on the cross where we deserve to be as sinners, people with broken relationship with God. And he said, I will stand in the gap for you. And so what we see here is this. I heard one, uh, one preacher refer to this passage of Scripture as the three crosses. He referred to the, to the man that was spewing insults at Jesus on the left. Aren't you the Messiah? Aren't you the one? Well, why don't you save us while you save yourself? He referred to that cross as the cross of rebellion. A hardened heart that couldn't see Jesus for who he really was. But he, this pastor referred to the other criminal who said, what's wrong with you? This man did nothing wrong. He's innocent. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And one statement, this criminal convicted, rightfully so, in the height of his punishment and making right for his wrongdoing acknowledges two things that Luke wants us to grab a hold of today. Two things. One, the innocence of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice that was laid down for you and me. And the second was this, the immediacy of God's grace. Let me tell you something. When you have eyes to see Jesus for who he really is, there's no place on earth that grace can't find you. There's no sin that you've committed that he can't pull you back from. Listen to me this morning, church, that there are people that fill these pews that you have said to yourself, yeah, but you don't know what I've done, or you don't know what's gone on in my life. You don't know how bad things have got, and I just want to be the guy that comes today and looks at you and goes, there's nothing that's happened in your life that Christ can't redeem you, can't save you. All you've got to do is look to him and go, be my Lord, be my Savior. I know know who you are. 
would you remember me? Man, I love Jesus' response. I loved it. Every time I read it, he goes, in the New Living Translation, I assure you this. Today, you will be with me in paradise. That criminal asked for a royal pardon. And Jesus didn't hesitate to give it to him on death row. Where are you at today? What's going on in your life today that you might have to turn and look to Jesus and go, remember me when you come into your kingdom? Lord, I've done wrong. There's some things, God, would you be willing? Let me tell you in advance what Jesus is going to say to you, no matter where you are, no matter how many times you've failed, no matter how many times you've gotten back up, let me tell you what Jesus is going to say to you. Done. I assure you today you're going to be with me. My presence is going to be with you. When Luke writes this passage, you know, he's the only one that included this conversation. All the other authors just included that, that Jesus was heckled and that Jesus was, was put up there. And, and why was that? I just believe that Luke wanted us to see who Jesus was in his darkest moment, that there was nothing that was ever going to sway his vision of saving you and saving me. If you're here today and you've been following Jesus, what a great reminder that he will never leave you nor forsake you, that he has never turned his face from you, but his grace shines upon us on a daily basis. Amen? In the moment of shame, in a moment of darkness, Jesus brings light. You know, I looked up the definition of assurance is this. It's a positive declaration intended to give confidence. It's a promise. Let me say that again. Assurance is a positive declaration intended to give confidence and a promise. There are three things that I think you and I need to be assured of as we lead up to Easter. There are three things that I think this passage of Scripture unfolds to you and I that we should take note of today. And the first one is this. We should all be assured that we are in need of grace. I'm just going to say that to you again. We should all be assured that we are in need of grace. Now, I know that I'm the only person in here, but... Uh, you ever find yourself when you're reading the newspaper clippings and you see how bad other people are, you feel a little better about who you are, right? Don't you ever have that little righteous indignation? Well, hey, at least I'm not like that person, right? I typically do that when my wife calls out one of my deficiencies. Oh, baby, you think that's bad. You ought to see so-and-so at work. He's 10 times worse than I am. See, when we try to justify ourselves, we tend to be comparing, right? We tend to put down others to build ourselves up. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not the way of the cross. That's not the assurance that I want you to have. See, what would happen if you and I stayed fully engaged to the idea that we are flawed and broken people? For all have sinned and fall short of what? The glory of God. God's righteous plan. There is none righteous, no, not one, except for that third cross. The cross of redemption. Jesus is the only perfect one. And so what should a mark of our community, of Victory Church be, on a weekly, on a daily, on an hourly basis? We should be known as people of grace. 
The last person to reach down and grab a rock and throw it at anybody else. We should be the people that go, you know what? I am a filthy sinner that's been saved by grace. And if God got a hold of me, I believe he could get a hold of that person too. In fact, I'm going to pray that God would just reach out and change that person's life. What kind of community would we be if we were known in our city, in our county, in our state as the place where all were welcome for grace knows no skin color. It knows no history of wrong. God's grace is free to everybody. That's what I love about our church. You know, I want to read a little bit. I I quoted Romans 3.23 to you, but I think it's interesting out of the, the message version. Let me read this to you because I love it kind of sets our feet on solid ground. It says this, the, the God setting things right that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us. And not only for us, but for everyone who believes in him. For there is no, listen to this, for there is no difference between us and them in this. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us. God did it for us. Out of our sheer generosity, out of sheer generosity, he puts us in right standing with himself. A pure gift. He's got us out of this mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. He found me in my mess and he set my feet on a solid ground. The guy was getting what he deserved. Justice had been served. But grace is messy. Grace is not bound by human justice for it's divine in its nature. That man was hanging on a cross, but he humbled himself. And the Bible says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He humbled himself, and in that moment, Jesus said, the mess that you've made of your life, son, you, he, he, this is my paraphrase, son, you're still going to have to pay man's justice, but divine grace has been measured out to you, and today you will be with me in paradise. Let's take a look. That word paradise in Scripture is very rare. It's only used two other places, 2 Corinthians and Revelation. One in reference to Paul saying, being caught up to the third heaven, this big revelation that the Lord had given him. And the other was this picture painted, uh, this eschatological picture of the future of what God was building for us. But the word's origins are Persian, and the connotation here is, today you will be with me in a garden-like space. Today you will be with me in a garden that's perfect. Does that ring a bell for any other place in Scripture to you? The Garden of Eden? The reference here, the inference here, is God is referring to the place of perfection where sin will abound no more and that all things have been made right through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it wasn't just an immediate, hey son, I forgive you, even though you're going to die. Jesus says, no, today you will be with me in paradise. Do you know we've all had that moment? Do you remember where yours was? Do you remember the place where you gave your heart to Christ for the first time? Was it a moment of radical transformation? Did tears mark your moment when you realized that all that you had done had been washed away by the goodness and mercy of Jesus Christ? 
Man, what a wonderful God we serve. And I think as we lead up to Easter, just a couple of weeks away, there's an assurance that I want you to have, and it's this. We are people in need of grace. So let grace be the mark of our life and how we treat other people. Amen? Amen. Let's be givers of grace. The second thing that I think that we can, we can walk away from here, this, this assurance is what I just said, is this, that assurance that God's grace overturns our guilty verdict and pronounces us innocent in the eyes of God. I love the word that Jesus said today today, not tomorrow. Listen, if you're here, you don't have to wait. This is what Luke was trying to explain. It's the immediacy of God's grace. You don't have to have another event in your life past today to have a moment with God's grace. There's nothing that you need to do to prepare yourself anymore to receive God's grace other than say, Lord, I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth. Lord, would you come and would you transform my life? How many in the room are, you're kind of like me, you're kind of stubborn and you like to figure things out on your own? Instructions that come with anything you purchase are optional. (laughs) They're really more of a last resort. Can you say amen? Right? Well, let me give you a little, this is free. This is not even in my message. This is just free. I'm giving you this one free. If you ever want to know how you know, you can tell if your marriage is getting stronger You let your wife read the directions to you when you put something together. There are a few men in the room right now. They're getting up to walk out. No way. Give me your man card. I'm out of here. Are you kidding me? My wife and I could. My wife. So we bought a new uh, grass catcher for our lawnmower at the house. Thing is incredible. Like a vacuum cleaner, right? All of us loved it. But it came with the worst instructions. I think it would have been easier had they been in like Yugoslavian or something. They were horrible, right? And so here we are, my wife is, is working on these, she's calling out the instructions and I'm racking my knuckles trying to get things put in here and into place. And I'm just thinking, man, if I could just get this done, I could actually use this thing, right? An hour goes by, if we could just get this done, it's getting dark now, I may not even have an opportunity to use this thing today. We finally got this thing to peace and, and we did it with, I don't think we had a crossword, did we, hon? I don't, I don't think so. And that's, she goes, no, because she would probably say she's brilliant and she was the reason why it got done. <laughs> Left to my own devices, I probably would still be there today. You say, why are you talking about this? There's no delay in God's grace. There's no long, complicated instructions. There's no frustrating moments. There's simply you calling out to God for grace. And when you look at this, and what Luke wanted us to know was that it wasn't tomorrow It wasn't maybe. It wasn't if you act a certain way. You have called out, today is your day. Can I just speak a word over you this morning? If you're here and you're in this room, and I have a a thing in my heart for stubborn men, right? Guys that we, we can fix it all by ourselves. Can I just tell you, you can't fix you? On your best day and in your best behavior, you still fall short just the way I do of God's plan for your life. So don't wait for another service. Don't wait for another song. Man, if that's you in just a minute, I'm going to open up these altars. I'm going to ask you if you're here and you're in need of God's grace. Here's what I want you to do. Here was my prayer for you this morning when I woke up. Man up 
and own it and go, God, I need your grace. I want it. Let me tell you something. Your wife beside you is going to applaud you. She's going to weep because she's been praying for you too. There are men that are in this room. You need to come to faith in Jesus today. And this passage lets you know there's nothing that you've done that can keep you from God's grace. Today is your day. Today is your day. The last thing, I just want to read a couple of the thoughts that I had for you. No matter what you've done, grace covers you. Momentary mistakes and even a lifetime of sinful living, living do not disqualify you from the grace of God found in Jesus Christ. Right? I'm no longer summoned to death. I'm no longer a slave to sin. But I have received the gift of God, the assurance that grace is at work in me. The third thing that I think that we need to take with us today is this. The assurance that God's grace overcomes our shame. That God's grace overcomes our shame. You remember the, as a kid, anybody ever play kickball? I still remember the two guys that I always wanted to pick me on the team. Anybody ever been picked last for any sporting team? Come on, lift your hand. Come on. I've got my hand up, not like to bait you out, but you, you've been there, right? As a little kid at elementary school, there was nothing about me that said, oh, he's a stud. Get him. <laughs> no, right? John Horton and Eddie Leeball. Can you believe that? I'm 45 years old, and I still remember the guys from fourth grade who were the best kickball players. I still remember them. And every, I remember every day going, come on, man, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. Pick me, pick me. Nope, 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 nope. And the longer it went, the less I wanted to be picked. You know what I'm saying? You just kind of shrink back like, I, I really didn't want to play. I'm, I'm, teacher's calling me. I'm, I'm going to go over here. Don't, don't mind me. Right? Shame has this ability on us that makes us want to hide from other people and hide from God. You see it in the Garden of Eden, Right? We talked about it last week, or Jeff talked about it, Pastor Sellers talked about it last week, where Adam wouldn't even own it. He pointed to the woman, hey, that woman you gave me, she did it, right? When God says, why are you hiding? And here's the interesting thing about church, is that we all want to say God's grace is great, God's grace is great. The question we really have in our mind is, will our community forgive us? Will our community forgive us? See, the shame wants to remind you of the mistakes that you've made. But grace always reminds you that God's already forgotten about it. I think he's quicker to forgive us than we are to forgive ourselves. Some of you are walking into this building on a weekly basis carrying baggage that you don't need to carry. Does that make sense? You're walking in here feeling bad, doing things to make yourself feel better when God says, what are you, what's wrong with you? I've already forgiven you. God's grace, the assurance that God's grace covers our shame. See, shame excludes us, but grace includes us. Shame shrinks us back, but grace gives us a vision of a bright future that God has in store for us. Shame causes you to not to want to speak up, but grace says, use your voice, for I'm in you and I've given you things to say. Church, we're the hope of the world. The people that God said, I chose you to take my message to the world. 
Today our word is assurance. My prayer is for you and I to leave this place today positive that we are people that need grace and will be known for grace. Positive and assured that our guilt has been overruled by God's grace. We are no longer guilty. We have been set free. And because of that, we are assured that shame has no place in the life of a believer outside of driving us to repentance. Let me tell you something that I learned, and we'll, we'll close, and the, the band will come here in just a second. I, I heard someone say one time, there's no room in the kingdom of God for shame. Right? But then one of my trusted mentors looked at me and said, that's a false statement. I said, well, what are you talking about? He goes, what do you call it when your conscience condemns you and says what you've done is wrong? So that's a guilty conscience. He goes, it's a form of shame. He said, and it's appropriate because it's a prick to your soul that lets you know you've done wrong. Turn around and go the other direction. He said, so if you want to take that out of your life, how are you going to respond to the Holy Spirit's nudging? He said, here's what you need to realize. Any shame that lasts beyond your repentance is not from God. It's from the enemy. And that's not meant for you. He's trying to kill you. He's trying to feed you. He's trying to destroy you. He's trying to elevate you. Would you stand to your feet this morning? He said, remember me. And Jesus said today, when you get into your kingdom, because you're an innocent man, and certainly you are, who you say you are. And he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Here's what I believe that the scripture is saying to us today. That when we call upon the name of the Lord, his presence marks our life. And the promises that he wrote in the, in the gospels that says, I'll never leave you, never forsake you, even to the ends of the earth, I will be with you. Man, don't leave this place today carrying any baggage that you don't need. Sir, it's a pretty simple thing. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how much you've cheated. It doesn't matter how much you've taken. It doesn't matter how much you've disappointed people. Jesus says, man, turn to me, and my grace is sufficient. My grace will cover you. There's an assurance. There's a confidence that you can have today that all is well with your soul. Hey, if you're here this morning, and man, woman, child, doesn't matter to me, with every eye open, and you'd say, Chris, I'm here today and I am in need of God's grace. I want that guilt to be overturned. I want that shame to be removed and I want the assurance that God's presence is with me everywhere I go. Hey, if that's you, lift your hand right where you are. Just lift your hand and hold it up. I wanna see it. Yep, yep, yes sir, yes, yes. Good. Hey, can we pray together? Because what, what is about to happen is what I call the miracle of the cross. We are about to engage in God's grace. And he said, today, I'm with you. Today, you're forgiven. Today, your shame is removed. Walk out of here confident that I have covered you with my grace. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus.
Lord, we commit to being a group of people. Lord, those that raised their hands this morning that said, I need your grace. God, I I want that moment in my life. Lord, we pray that today is the day that you would ground us in your grace. But Lord, we would have an assurance, a confidence that you said when we called upon your name. Lord, that you would forgive us, that you would restore us, that you would heal us. God, we lean into that today. And Lord, I just pray for my family that raised their hands. The Lord, that grace would abound in their lives this morning as they confess their sin to you. Lord, I pray that grace would abound in those moments. I pray that shame would be replaced with acceptance and a confidence that we are your sons and your daughters in the kingdom. Lord, today we pray that in your name. Everybody said, hey, here's what we're going to do. If you raised your hand or you have another need in your life, it's one of the things I love about my church. We actually believe God can heal you. Amen? We believe that if your family's broken, that prayer could actually help restore it. And so if you're here and you're in this place and you need prayer, there's some people down here that believe that God can do more than we could ask or imagine. And if that's you, we want to invite you to come down and find a place of prayer. We'll lay hands on you. Nothing weird, nothing strange. You're just going to be in front of someone who goes, I believe God can meet you at your need. And if that's you, we're going to invite you to come down right now as people are making their way. I'm going to give you just a second before we dismiss everybody else. And while they're coming, for the rest of you, hey, maybe you ought to do this this week. Commit, commit to intentionally giving grace to someone who doesn't deserve it. Oh, gosh. The problem is not that God's word isn't good enough. It's just we don't use it enough. Hey, I want to challenge you as a church this week. Find somebody in your life that, man, you probably have every right to squash them, every white to go, you're wrong, I'm right, and just give them grace and see what happens. Amen? Amen? Hey, People are praying. Music's going to be playing. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. We appreciate you being here at Victory Church.